Did you hear? Jenny resigned earlier today. Hmm? She said she doesn't need to work as a nurse anymore because she has a lot of money. Huh? How did she get the money? Did she win the lottery? No, she always said that the lottery odds are very slim. Huh? Then how? Did she hit the mega jackpot in Wawa win? No, she doesn't like Willy. Well, did she go to the casino? No, her billionaire patient died and gave her an inheritance. Hello and welcome to the 45th episode of Banana Q Podcast. So D, does that really happen? Does somebody really give a stranger, a complete stranger, all his inheritance? Hmm, I don't know in real life, but I think in movies they do. Remember that movie by <laughs> Daniel Craig, Knives Out? <laughs> right, anything right, can right. happen in the movie, so yeah, okay. <laughs> but, but I think in the Philippines, it. I don't think it will ever happen, right? Because we have a lot of family members. Yeah. It's, it's really bizarre to have your inheritance given to a complete stranger. You have a point. But in the Philippines, there is one way for you to earn that much of money instantly, right? And that's gambling. Yes. <laughs> so the choices I gave were, of course, gambling. And in the Philippines, gambling is completely legal. Oh, really? Yeah. If it's licensed and regulated, then it's legal. And the government entity that's regulating all this gambling, which is PAGCOR, the Philippine Amusement and Gaming Corporation, is a 100% state-owned company. And it was established in 1975 by then-President Ferdinand Marcos during the martial law era. So that's why gambling is very much alive and kicking <laughs> up to this day in the Philippines. And I would say the most popular gambling activity in the Philippines is cockfighting. Would you say? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I think and, and I think it's one of those that is not found elsewhere if it's not common, right? Yeah, I would is say Is it just so. in the Philippines or what? It's not popular in other countries because it looks really cruel to animals. Oh yeah, true. Because yeah, it's a bloody sport. So it's bloody, it's brutal, it's two gamecocks pitted against each other. And of course, you know, in the expectation that one will kill the other. So it is rather brutal, borderline animal abuse. That's why in a lot of countries, this particular activity is actually banned. But if you ask a Filipino, hey, why do you enjoy cockfighting? Don't you think it's a little bit, you know, abusive to the animals? And they would say, mm, that's their destiny. These are... <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, okay. These are game birds. They are really bred to fight and to kill one day. Cockfighting, in fact, is very, very old. So according to a historical artifact, <laughs> it started in the Chou Dynasty in China around 517 BC. So it's like more than 2,000 Whoa. years old. And in the Philippines, it predates the colonial era as well because Antonio Pigafetta, I would say the historian of Ferdinand Magellan, have in his chronicles that Filipinos were already into cockfighting even before the Spaniards came to the Philippines. So mm. it's really an old activity. Perhaps we got it from the Chinese because we have Chinese traders back in the day. And in the Philippines, cockfighting is a billion-dollar industry. So there are about 2,500 cockpits all over the country. Wow, I didn't that's realize that. <laughs> Whoa, that's a lot. And, and some of them are really like really grand arenas. They can house maybe thousands of people and well-built infrastructure just for the sake of having a cockfight. And there are approximately 30 million roosters that die every year. Oh, <laughs> no. Yeah. Okay, that's a lot of roosters. Yeah, but 
if a rooster dies during the fight, the winner will get the dead rooster and have a tinola at the end of the day. So I would say it's not really a total loss. Yes. What? <laughs> oh, God. A lot of aficionados of this game really takes good care of their cockfighter or their gamecock. They pamper them. They really treat them like professional sports athletes. Like oh. giving them a massage, a shampoo, feeding them with very expensive uh, feeds. You, you saw in the commercials, right? It's very expensive. Oh, yeah. Chicken now that feed. you mention it, I do remember commercials about those. Yes. Yeah. Of course, it's heavily. <laughs> commercialized now because there's a lot of money at stake but i would say yeah it is rather a peculiar sport and a very big time sport in the philippines and did you know that there are superstitions about cockfighting i got this from a website called stewartexchange.org so it's like malas or something inauspicious right things that you should not do during a cockfight okay one is you should not have a female visitor on the day of a cockfight this sounds very anti-feminist or you know vilifying women well in fairness not a lot of women actually are fans of this game right probably because it's i don't know it's it's too brutal it's bloody messy i don't remember watching a cockfight if i did maybe i did once and then that was it yeah because you're right it does seem too brutal yeah and second one is do not sweep the floor on the sabong day Okay. Avoid cockfighting on Fridays. Avoid going to the cockfight with a hole in one one of the pants pockets. What? <laughs> but like, <laughs> shouldn't you avoid that at all times? Like, what if yeah. you put coins in your pocket and it's and it has holes? Then you would lose money. Yeah. Then I think the last one is shaving is avoided on Sabong Day for fear it might cause the gamecock's blade to break. What is the cock's blade? What does that mean? Ah, so in a cockfight, there's a blade attached to one of the cock's legs. Oh, okay. Yeah. Otherwise, the game will... Take forever. Take forever. <laughs> so, to, to, <laughs> so it usually lasts maybe a minute or so. Just a minute? Yeah. There's oh. a very sharp blade attached to one of the cock's legs. And I see. That proves to be fatal to the weaker opponent that means it really is like really brutal though or cruel to the animals then yeah otherwise they will just be scratching each other (laughs) (laughs) yes that's true (laughs) and nothing's gonna happen it's just gonna be isang kahig isang tuka okay maybe not (laughs) that's a different thing (laughs) actually that's one of the reasons why Filipinos the life of a cock resonates very much to the life of a Filipino because much like the cock we Filipinos, most of us are also isang kahig, isang toka, right? Like, <laughs> How do you translate that in English? One scratch, one peck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know if that's the right translation. I, but I, I think so, yeah. We, we have this feeling that screw tomorrow. Like, why do, why do we have to worry about tomorrow? We live for the day. Like, we enjoy today. We don't worry about tomorrow. And yeah, that's the life of a cock. One Scratch one peck. Okay. Uh, so for sabong or cockfighting, it's popular as well in a funeral because it's one way of amassing funds for the family who has somebody passing away. So it's like mm-hmm. a tribute or whatever is the proceeds, they would give it to the family. 
How about you, Dee? Did you experience any other funeral games or gambling events? So that's the thing, right? In the Philippines, as you mentioned, gambling actually happens during um, funerals. And, you know, you mm. might think like, isn't that like disrespectful? But it's not because uh, it's a, actually a way to honor the dead because the yeah. money, the proceeds from the gambling goes to the family who had a dead loved one, right? So that is why, aside from the, the one you mentioned, the uh, cockfighting, we also have other betting games like Mahjong, which is actually a Chinese game, but we also have that. We, I guess we got that from us as well. And I think the more popular ones are the cards. I think that's mm. what I kind of remember from back in my hometown. Mm. And I don't really recall... That's a weird thing. I don't really recall a lot of like, stuff going on in funerals. I guess um I was too young. You know, I was just afraid of that. Oh, there's a dead person <laughs> there. I think, I think I only had the courage to look at one dead person when I was young, I think it was my grandfather. Um, mm. That's the weird thing. Speaking of, this is a segue, right? In the Philippines, when we have the funeral, right? A casket, it's covered. I was surprised when I watched some American movies or TV shows that it's open. Oh, yeah. The body is... that, yeah. <laughs> it's like it's on exposed. a bed. <laughs> exposed like, you. I cannot imagine. Like, really, that's normal for them. But for us, that's not, right? I don't think I've ever seen an open casket. Is it probably because our funerals <laughs> last like too longer? Long. Like, yeah. Like <laughs> nine days sometimes, right? Yeah, yeah, so you're maybe right. Maybe the the cover is <laughs> helpful in a way. Yeah, yeah, you have a point. To that point, the wakes in the Philippines can last longer and that's usually because the Philippines usually have a lot of far-flung relatives, you know, like us, or mm. overseas Filipino workers. And of course, if you wait for them to come home, then it cannot be just, you'll just bury the dead within a day or something. That's mm. not something that can happen. Yeah, Probably a bit weirder if, you know, it's like nine days and it's just there in the open yeah. air. So probably that's why. Speaking of card games, what card uh-huh. games do you know? Like Tong Eats and Shikicha? Shikicha. Yes. <laughs> Posoidos. Posoidos. Oh, I don't think I've ever played Posoidos. Posoidos, I think it's kind of um the two is is the winner instead of the ace. Ah yeah. That's Shikicha, right? In our hometown it was called Posoidos and actually in Singapore they call it Big Two. Big <laughs> so... Two. But is it the same rules? Like you can form straight, you can form trios, and then you know the bigger the number is better, but of course two is the killer number. It's the biggest amongst the numbers. Yeah, I think so. You're right. I think two is the biggest. Mm. Um, but I, of course, I don't really remember all the rules and all the combinations. I'm not really good with cards. The only card game I'm good at is probably the ungoy ungoy or the <laughs> <laughs> the monkey monkey, which is actually like a pairing card game, right? Yeah. It's the first card game that they teach kids usually. Mm. That Ongoy Ongoy and Kalgaburut. Oh uh, yes, I used to enjoy the, that game as well. But those are actually non-gambling yeah, card non-gambling. games. Those are for kids. There are a lot of uh, gambling related number games in the Philippines and there are two, a very popular one. In Luzon, Hueteng is one of the most popular number game. And in the Visayas and Mindanao, it's Mashao. Yeah, let's talk about wetting. Wetting is very big and it's an illegal gambling because it's not you know, sanctioned by PAGCOR, the state-owned uh, agency that I've mentioned. So there are three types of people who's in the s- syndicate of uh, wetting. The number one, the very top, is the, of course, the wetting lord or what we call banquero. So he's the capitalist. He's the financier. Ah. So for, for you to run a wetting 
a syndicate, you need money. Aside from the paraphernalia, you also need money to kind of assure that if you win, you know, there will be money. Oh, yeah. There has to be a bank, and that, that's the role of the banquero. And the second one is the cabo. The cabo is like the superintendent or the person in charge of a certain location. So if you can imagine in Luzon, there are several districts. And so, you know, one cabo will supervise one district. And then below the cabo is the cobrador. So the cobrador is the one who would oversee the actual game. And they would uh, knock on people's door and then ask, hey, do you want to bet? on Oh. Yeah. So those are the cobradors. So they would collect the money from the people who wants to bet. They would list down their combination. So wetting is a two-number combination. Numbers from 1 to 40. Oh, okay. Yeah, but there are many variants. Some regions have it 1 to 39, 1 to 38, but commonly it's 1 to 40. And Mm -hmm. it's played like a bingo. So there are 40 kind of wooden balls with numbers 1 to 40 inside like a bottle. And then they would shake it. Oh, yeah. It is really like a bingo. Okay. Yeah. Get one number. And then that number is the first winning number. And then that uh, wooden number, that ball uh, would be placed back to the container. So there's a chance that the number would repeat. Oh, so it's a repeating okay. combination. So there could be maybe the winning combination is 1-1 one, one or 40-40. Ah. So that's a possible combination. I see. So it's really difficult to win then, right? Yeah, I would say. If you win, if you get the winning combination, mm-hmm. your 1 peso would turn into $400. Uh, dollars. 400 <laughs> peso. What? Why was that again dollars? <laughs> yeah, okay. That's a lot of odds. It's it's very huge. Times 400. Okay. But you would think that's a good number, right? Uh-huh. The problem is the cobrador would get a commission. A 30% oh, commission. 30%. Yeah, that's quite high, right? Yeah, that means um, out of 400, he gets... 120 pesos goes to the cobrador as commission. 280 goes to the winner. Okay. But the cobrador is very lucky because he doesn't even need to have any luck. He just (laughs) automatically gets something. That sounds very unfair. But it's a very smart incentive, right? Because Mm -hmm. if you're a cobrador, the more doors you knock, the Ah, better your chances of having a winning combination. (laughs) (laughs) So it's a passive gambling on your part because you're just collecting. I see. You would think, how come he earns a lot of money? But we will have to think that the cobrador also has all the risk Mm. of getting caught by the police. Oh, right. Because this is illegal. You have a point. Yeah. So I think the banquero or the capitalist is the one who has all the money because all he did is just bankroll the activity, right? Just gives uh, money, capital, and then all the risk is with the cobrador. So I did the math. The chances of you winning in a 1 to 40 wetting game is 1 in 780. Oh, okay. So it's a little bit unfair, right? Because you have a 1 in 780 chance, but you only get 280 pesos <laughs> if you win. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's true. So that means for every peso you spend in a wetting bet, you already lose about 64 percent of your money oh because you only have like a 0.36 i would say probably so if you multiply your chance of winning to the one peso also sorry to the 280 pesos that you would get if you win Mm. it's like only 36 cents so that means the value of your bet is only 36 cents so you already lose just by the fact of you betting you already lost more than 60 percent of your money all right so masiao is the same it's a numbers game but it's more popular in visayas and Mindanao. but instead of two numbers it's three numbers and instead of one up to 40 it's 
1 up to 10, and it's non-repeating. Okay. But surprisingly, I ran the math, it's about the same probability. So Masyao is like 1 in 720 chance. So the numbers are the same, and not surprising, the odds are also the same. So if you bet 1 peso, you get 400, and then 30% goes to the cobrador, so you get 280 pesos. <gasps> okay. And then if you win, and your neighbors know that you win because the cobrador is chismosa, they announce to the neighbors <laughs> that you won, you will have to give money like snacks as well, like a balato. So can you imagine left? <laughs> how much money is left for you? <laughs> oh gosh. Okay, so okay, moral lesson here, do not bet on these things, I guess. Yeah, do not bet because ultimately you lose, right? And the funny thing is there's still a lot of Filipinos who would bet. And that's because th there's a book about it. And it's talking about we overshadow the risk of losing the risk of loss with the potential of winning. Like, even though we know that for every peso we spend on betting, wetting, and mashao, we already lose 60% of our money. Mm -hmm. We forget about that and we always think about, but I have a chance of winning 280 pesos. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My peso could turn 280 times. So that's the bottom line that we can only think of and we forget about the loss. Yeah. So I would say maybe if you're thinking about spending your money on betting into high ally, masiao, or hueteng, then think of the loss, <laughs> not yeah. the chance of winning because very, very slim chance of you actually winning the lottery. Yeah. And speaking of lottery, we have actually a sanctioned numbers game by Pagcor, but that is actually the Lotto, which is yes. held by the Philippine Charity Sweepstakes Office or PCSO. The common one is, the, is that you can pick six numbers. Yeah. So it's similar to what you said, right? Two numbers, three numbers. This one is six numbers and it's usually, um, it depends. There are several types of lottery. It could be six out of 42, out of 45 or 49. You know, on TV, they would pick six numbers out of, of mm. the range. Yeah. But this cannot be repeated. Yeah. And of course, if you get the six numbers, then that means you get the jackpot price. Then usually these are the ones in millions of pesos. Yeah. The thing is, a lot of Filipinos, they buy lottery tickets because they're hoping that this would be their ticket out of poverty. Yeah. Actually, I remember my mom, she used to buy lottery tickets all the time. Mm. And she won a few times, but it was just the small prices. I think the money that she won, it was not enough to cover the amount that she spent <laughs> on the tickets. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we call yeah. a baliktaya, right? Like um, you, you get not necessarily six out of six numbers. Maybe you get four and then maybe you get 20 pesos and then that yeah, 20 yeah. pesos you would spend again on another <laughs> ticket. It's not just her though. There's actually a lot of people like her mm. because as you said, you, you don't think of the loss. People usually don't. They just think of, you know, what I could possibly win. Mm. But according to uh, wonderopolis.org, I'm not like you. I'm not good enough to do my own math. So I just Googled for the math. <laughs> so in a lottery in which you pick six numbers from a possible pool of 49 numbers, your chances of winning the jackpot are 1 in 13,983,816. <laughs> 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 this is a lot worse than the odds for the uh, for those two you mentioned. Maybe that's why th those are probably more popular and yeah. even though they were illegal. So that's one shot in almost 14 million. If you were to buy one lottery ticket each week in such a scenario, you could expect to win once every 269,000 years. <laughs> <laughs> But if that doesn't deter you, another reason why you should think twice about buying a lottery ticket is because of the lottery curse. Mm, 
what is the lottery curse? I don't know what that is. Okay, the National Endowment for Financial Education reported that over 70% of lottery winners who receive a big cash windfall go broke within the first few years of receiving the ticket. Ah, yes. I think it's because you didn't work hard for that money, right? Mm. You don't really value it as much, right? If it's your blood and sweat and tears. Mm. For example... If you compare us, we worked hard to be where we are right now, right? We value our money more. Mm. You know, if we buy something that we couldn't afford before, we treasure it more compared to yeah. somebody who was like born to a rich family or something like that. Yeah. So I guess it's the same thing. Or, or also maybe they're just really not educated or equipped to handle a huge amount. Like usually you would just suddenly spend it on whatever, on a whim. <laughs> maybe there's a chismoso or gossipy person who told everyone or you told someone like, you know, and suddenly all your relatives and friends know and of course they're gonna be asking for balato yes which is very common in the Philippines <laughs> right balato by the way is our giveaways so and if you don't give any money or anything right they will think that you're selfish yeah that's really the, a common mindset right like oh yeah bang Mm-mm. arrogant selfish all the negative things. And that's because, you know, people get offended that, mm, how come you forgot about me? We're not friends anymore. You yeah. Know, that you have a lot of money. You now ignore me or something like that. Like, they personalize everything. Exactly. That's a very common mentality in the Philippines. If that's not a problem, another one is, you know, even if you don't go broke because of your freeloaders, you could end up getting murdered or held uh-huh. for ransom yeah. by the people close to you. So that is actually good reasons why you should not Buy a lottery ticket. But if you do still want to buy tickets, despite everything that I just said, <laughs> here are some tips on what to do if you win the jackpot. <laughs> okay, that's interesting. If you're a winner and listening to this right now, please consider these tips before you get broke. <laughs> exactly. And the first tip, obviously, is to keep your winning a secret. Right? Don't tell anyone. I don't know if you can. Probably you need to tell your wife. No, you have to tell your wife or husband. Uh, yeah, of course. You're right. Because whatever's yours is hers. Yes, yes. <laughs> okay, sorry. I'm so sorry, guys. Please do not. <laughs> keep it a secret with your spouse. Yeah. <laughs> of course, you need to tell your spouse. And of course, if you have kids, maybe you should tell them. But... Uh, Probably not your kids. Okay, don't tell your kids. Fine. So just tell your spouse and then the two of you cannot tell anyone else. Because, mm. you know, as I said, you could get killed. So then escalated quickly. Because of this, you also cannot be obvious about it, right? You cannot just suddenly quit your job and start buying mansions and luxury items like diamonds and whatever. Because obviously, this was, this will make people suspicious. Mm. That's a good point. And, and on a semi-related note to this, there was recently here, in Hong Kong, there was a Filipino domestic worker. She got caught stealing $14.6 million worth of jewelry and gold bars what? from her employer's safe. Oh my God, right? Uh, she was here for just like about a year-ish. And, you know, she bought fancy houses and cars in the Philippines. Like, how could you have that much money from working here for just a year? I mean, I've been here for a year and I don't have fancy houses and <laughs> luxury cars. Like, you know, obviously she was very suspicious, right? So don't be like her. Um, but if you win the lottery and you can't help it, right? There has to be some parts of your lifestyle that would change because you now have a lot of money. Maybe think of alibis or maybe uh, reasons why. So say, for example, you quit your job. Uh-huh. Because what, what if you're working in a very mundane, a very boring job and now yeah. that you have a lot of money, you're sick of your job, right? Why would you stick to it? That's true, that's why, true. Why don't you think of an alibi? 
actually buy. The reason that you can give to your colleagues that, oh, it's not really my the job for me anymore. Mm-hmm. But then they would counter that statement with a question. Where are you going to get your money? Like, how are you going to live? Maybe think of a reason. Yeah, Aliba. No, you could pretend, right, that you are actually going to look for a different job. Or maybe your wife will support you in the meantime. Or that you're going to study. There are a lot of alibis, right? Oh, That's I'm going to take up masteral, even if you're not. Like, are they really going to look for your certificate <laughs> or something? <laughs> You'll be surprised. People will be like, oh, okay, take a photo of your what? ID, huh? <laughs> too much <laughs> but what if you say that you say that you're gonna continue your studies you're gonna pursue a master's degree and then during your farewell party people would be like hey i've introduced you to this person because he's also studying in the school that you <laughs> <laughs> oh god that what is are true you gonna say? <laughs> no i think you should just enroll that should just be your alibi <laughs> <laughs> just enroll just don't show up you have the money right it doesn't matter no, if you <laughs> no. you're money you are way overthinking this you haven't even yes. won anything <laughs> no I'm like that I have a tendency of overthinking something like if if ever uh-huh. I win the lottery and yeah I'll follow your tip of you know not making too lavish changes in your lifestyle but what yep. if I do and people get suspicious what do I say yeah I have to th- pre-think <laughs> of an alibi. This is actually good exercise for both of us, right? And for mm. our listeners. Right now, we should start thinking what would be a good excuse mm. for why you quit your job. But if you never bet the lotto, then never mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably no use no use thinking, right? And actually, which, which leads me to my second tip, right? Which is to hire a professional financial consultant to advise mm. you on the best way to invest your winnings. You might blow everything in one go or maybe, uh, you know, you cannot control yourself or maybe you think like, oh, I can do this myself. Like you're going to put it into Bitcoin or something and everything will get lost for some reason. It's, it's just best to find a professional to do it and maybe, you know, think of a way to put your money into something so that it would give you a steady monthly income for several years, right? Instead of mm. just like sitting there and like being a temptation for you or yeah. kidnappers or robbers. Or your maid who wants to <laughs> go inside your and steal your gold bar. So maybe yeah, just please don't do that. Yeah, don't do that. All right. Yeah, that's a very good point. But I must warn people that there are a lot of quote unquote financial consultants in the market, but they're not really in it for you. Like they're not really looking after your welfare. Most of these people are actually salesmen, meaning um, they would entice you to buy their products because there's a commission in it for them. So maybe. You know, don't just go to the very first financial consultant that you will see. Yeah, yeah, no, of course. Shop around. Yeah, shop around. Do your research. At the end of the day, it's your money, right? And you have to take care of it because once people smell money or they're like sharks, right? They would hound you. Yes, you you have a point. (laughs) But aside from Lotto, sorry, I was going to mention one more thing, which is casinos, which of course, you know what casinos are. But in case you don't, it's like these um, places, right, where you go to have legal gambling activities. So some of these games include poker, blackjack, roulette, and slot machines. So I think we have these in the Philippines, right? But I have actually never been to a casino in the Philippines, actually. How about you? There's a lot. Yeah, I've been to the one in Pasay. There's, uh, I forgot the name. Remember our grand plan before the COVID hit and all that was that we were going to go to Macau. Macau, (laughs) And, and, you know, 
hire a limousine, throw one dollar mm. bills, and then you know go to casinos. Fake money, <laughs> not, fake money. Not throw real money. I don't want to <laughs> throw real money. That is true. Let's not throw real money. So, what's your luck actually with casinos? I'm terrible. I'm terrible with casinos. So I go to casinos just to drink free coffee. So oh yeah. Um, <laughs> Most of the time, whenever I go to a casino, just for the feel of it, I, I don't bring any cards and all that. I bring cash, and that cash is my maximum limit. Okay. Like usually, save fifty dollars, right? And mm-hmm. I, I'm not gonna spend anything more, and I, I wanna enjoy the fifty dollars as much as I can. And then, if ever I lose the fifty dollars, I don't feel as bad because I would consume, you know. Free coffee, <laughs> yeah. free drinks, worth $50 anyway. So, you know what they say, the house always wins. When for me, well, they didn't really win. It's just a break-even. What? Because <laughs> I consume free stuff worth uh, whatever I've lost. Yeah. But I think that's a good point. And I remember when I went to Monaco, I was traveling in Monaco with my friends. We had a travel fund of 100 euros. And we decided, okay, let's split this into three because the, there were three of us. And then, you know, you gamble that. And then let's try to win back our travel fund if we can. So I had like 35 euros to spend then. And then we didn't know how to play, actually. <laughs> um, like, what do okay. we do? Luckily, one of our tour mates, so he was there. He taught us how to play the roulette. Mm. Okay, you bet on black or red or a number is how it yeah. works. I lost everything except my last five-euro chip. So when I was down to that, he said, why don't you bet that on your lucky number? If you bet on black or red, it's easier, right? Because it's either black or red. So the odds are better. Uh, but that one has a minimum bet, right? So yeah. it's probably more expensive to do that. Yes. So I think red, black is 20 euros minimum. Yeah. But the odds that you, if you win, you get less. Yeah. I think it's double because there's less than 50% because there's two slots that are green. How come I know a lot of other things? Yeah, hmm, I'm very suspicious. I'm not an addict. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The the odds of you winning is is high, right? But there are two slots that are green. So it's not black nor red. So that's Ah. house uh, odds. So if it lands on the house, then... Nobody wins. The house takes everything. Ah, okay, okay. But there are a lot of numbers, right? But the odds of like hitting a number are far slimmer. That's why uh, you get more. Mm. So I put it on my favorite number because that's what his tip is. So I put it on my birth date, seven. Mm. And then, to my complete surprise, the roulette landed on seven. <gasps> wow. And then the casino guy was suddenly <laughs> handing me a huge stack of chips and like, how much is this? And it's 175 euros worth. Nice. That's so amazing. that's times 35. It's not like the high ally odds, but... <laughs> <laughs> It's still not bad and it was in mm. euros mm. but that was the only time that they ever won in in a casino. Did you stop there? I mean that's a very important question. Yeah, I stopped. Oh, good, great. Yeah, I said, "Oh my god, okay, I just won back our travel fund plus some change." So, <laughs> we yeah. stopped because we that's lost amazing. the 95 euros. <laughs> Now you get 75. I know a friend in Singapore before and he's into going to casinos and he, he doesn't like bringing me along because he, he would say, oh, he's a very boring gambler. Cause ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we are like, too safe I, thinker. We're yeah? too yeah, risk averse. Like we don't like losing a lot of money. So if we mm-hmm. win big time, we'll just keep the chips and go home. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, that's what I would do. Yeah, most people, I think if they win, they will keep on playing because they think like, oh, my luck has turned. Mm. But then that's dangerous, right? You just think that, but then you end up losing. And I didn't want to lose what I already want. I I wanted to end the night on a high. Mm. Like to be able to tell people, like our listeners, that hey, I once won. And I wouldn't say, oh, I once lost. <laughs> right? <laughs> 
<laughs> That's a very good point. I once lost 100 euros in Monaco. It's not that anymore, right? I have changed the narrative because mm. I stopped there. That's very good. Over the years, these casino games, roulette, blackjack, poker, have, I would say, transformed to a digital form. And that's where online gambling takes form. Consider all the games that happen in a casino and, you know, all of them already have a digital counterpart. So the same thrill is there, but I would say a lot riskier than, you know, going to an actual establishment because all the guardrails that you could otherwise do, there's no limit anymore when when it's online, right? Because all of these gambling sites, they accept major credit cards. And so... Yeah, and if you have a big credit limit... Oh, yes. yes, you're right. And also, you cannot do that thing where you drink all the coffee and whatever. You can eat yes. the- <laughs> There's no way to get back at the house. So, there, there are no freebies. There are no, you know, ladies walking around serving drinks. Yeah. I would say stay away from it. At the end of the day, it's inducing a lot of addiction. True, Because yeah. there's instant winning. And of course, there's also instant losing. So there's a lot more risks stacked against you. So perhaps avoid. But the funny thing is, in the Philippines, online gambling is completely legal. Oh. Our government is very toothless about it because they're in on it as well. Like a lot of these offshore gaming operators or what we call POGOs, they big hefty taxes to the government. Ah. So the government is also kind of you know their hands are tied because they want the revenues they want the money that these operators are bringing in so it's at the cost of filipinos who's losing a lot of money in gambling and especially in online gambling maybe losing their houses going into a lot of debt yeah so it's it's really difficult I would say that will be a good segue to what we're going to talk about next. And that is, what are the cultural impacts to gambling? How does this affect a normal Filipino? I guess I could start with what you already mentioned, which is gambling addiction. There's an interesting article on Rappler.com, which says... The allure of big payoffs, clicking sound of chips, and perks like free drinks entice many people to gamble. For some, that seductive environment can be dangerous, leading to depleted savings, huge debts, and jeopardized futures. Take the case of Jesse Carlos, a former Department of Finance employee who was sacked because of issues with his statements of assets, liabilities, and net worth. Mm. Past midnight on June 2, the 42-year-old longtime guest of Resorts World Manila in Pasay City fired gunshots, (gasps) set ablaze gaming tables, attempted to steal 130 million pesos worth of casino chips, and then committed suicide. What the This was in 2017, by the way, not this year. Sorry, I should have led with that. So the fires he triggered killed 36 people who were trapped and suffocated inside the casino complex. What? It's not enough that he killed himself, but he, you know, he also killed 36 innocent people. Like, that's crazy. And the thing was, he was one of the gamers enrolled in an exclusion program of Pagcor. Wait, hold on. Exclusion program, meaning he already is blacklisted to gamble? Exactly. So his family turned to Pagcor asking the gaming regulator to ban Carlos from casinos after he incurred about 4 million pesos in debt to banks and several other non-bank debts. So you're right. I think we had this in Singapore and probably in a lot of other countries. Apparently, we also do have this in the Philippines as well, wherein if one of your relatives is addicted to gambling, then you could Mm. go to the 
to Pagor and tell them to not let them into the casino, right? Mm. So he was already in this and maybe that's why he was throwing a rampage because he was probably trying to go in there and then they probably wouldn't let him in. That's why he was firing guns and stuff. Well, in the first place, if that was done, if there were preventive measures, then I don't think he would have ever done that act. Like he probably was already inside the premises, right? For him to do that. And I would say one big difference between our casinos and, you know, the other countries that we've visited Mm -hmm. they're not that strict like in Singapore they would scrutinize you take a look at your ID oh yeah and that's because if you're a citizen of Singapore you will have to pay money to get in the casino I think it's a hundred or a hundred fifty dollars something like that yeah so that just means you know upon entering you already lost money right and that's because the government is trying to protect its citizens you know of gambling addiction and all of this negative stuff that gambling is doing for you but in the Philippines I think it's very lenient like you can go in and out of a casino without getting scrutinized like how come that person is able to get in with a gun like in the first place yes shouldn't there be x-rays to check on it yes you have a point yeah there are a lot of questions like his identity perhaps why was it not checked like he's already in the exclusion (laughs) list Uh, there's a lot of holes to that incident I think controls were not done properly (laughs) yeah so as you said do you think that's enough should they actually put a deterrent like in Singapore right they impose uh, not a fine sorry Singapore does impose a lot of fines but I don't think this is a fine (laughs) (laughs) entrance fee admission ticket yeah Yeah, as a deterrent right for their own citizens to not get into gambling debts Um, but actually in Monaco the citizens are not allowed to gamble at all Mm. this was a move done by Charles III Prince of Monaco back in the 1800s because this was during a fiscal crisis and the country was on its knees financially So he took to studying the economics of neighboring countries and he hatched a plan to create a gaming industry targeting the English upper class. So to allow his own citizens to gamble would have been counterproductive to his aim of bringing money to the country. So he banned them. And his idea worked so well that Monaco paid off its current debts and had such sustainability from their gambling industry that they were in a position to abolish taxes. So now the citizens are tax-free. They are just... Uh, you know, living off the money of everybody else who is gambling their life away in the casinos. <laughs> wow. Yeah, but the thing is, I think this would be hard to implement though in countries that do not really have a lot of tourists, for example. Like Monaco, I think it's, you know, it's a fancy schmancy place. People really go there to spend money in their luxurious um, casinos, right? They had infrastructure for that. I don't think Philippines can really, you know, do the same thing. If you do that, who is going to gamble? I mean, we do have a lot of tourists, but I think we still have more citizens than tourists, right? Yeah, I would say so. I think there's a lot a lot of things infrastructure-wise I think we can do to do that before we reach Monaco's level. But right now, we do entice a lot of Chinese, a lot of Southeast Asian foreigners to come to the Philippines and gamble because as I've said, it's, it's completely legal in the Philippines. So it's not surprising to visit a Filipino casino and you will see a lot of foreigners actually gambling inside Mm -hmm. but i would say that you're right i think if the government really is concerned about the negative impact of gambling to the philippines then it won't just be the casinos that they will put a lot of regulations on but also on the number games like the lottery the cockfighting which i think it will be hard to find a politician who would anger a lot of (laughs) (laughs) aficionados in the cockfighting scene that would be successful but yeah hopefully one day that would happen and i think if we do really become a mecca of gambling in Southeast Asia, 
It also welcomes a lot more issues culturally and socially. Like in 2016, there was this robbery of, of Bangladesh Bank, right? And then Ooh. a portion of that 81 million that was stolen was actually funneled illegally through Philippine casinos. Ooh. So there was money laundering involved. So for, for those who are not familiar, money laundering is trying to infuse bad money, so money from crimes, into circulation. So they're trying to legalize bad money into good money. It's called laundering because you are like, washing the money so to speak right making it appear clean yes exactly so like for your example the lady from hong kong who stole money millions of dollars worth of jewelry from her employer if she wanted to use that money in legal ways then she's actually doing money laundering as well because <laughs> she was able to send it back to the philippines and mm -hmm. it became legal money mm -hmm. so yeah that's something that's dangerous as well and there are heavy penalties for money laundering i think there are a lot of uh, i would say we need you know on a very basic sense our government and at the same time not just with infrastructure but policies and laws that would make it effective for us to be a casino or a gambling haven of the southeast asian nation yeah i think it's a bit difficult because um there are a lot of corrupt officials and policemen or you know you could just slip them money right and then mm. they will look the other way that sort of thing so i guess it's why it's a bit easier probably for money mm. laundering to happen actually yeah and then if you ask a lot of filipinos right hey do you think we should abolish pagcor and you know try not to legalize gambling and they would say no but pagcor helped a lot of people they are doing all this charity work and that's how they get uh. you right so pagcor would do a lot of charity works you know build houses for the poor and all that but of course that's just a portion that's probably a tiny percent of the actual revenues of the monies that they are making all in all but that's just talking about the financials aspect of it but the social cultural impact is not really present right like yeah what about those that are addicted to gambling what about those families that are devastated by people who are hooked on gambling like the ones who went on a rampage in results world what about them what about those lives i think that's out of the question really yeah the last cultural impact i would mention is the false hope because as i mentioned in the lotto segment uh, there's actually a very slim chance that you'll win the lottery and yet a lot of people rely on that as their chance to get out of poverty mm. it's not just lotto and high alliance wedding and all this like even in small things like raffle contests it's kind of it's kind of gambling ish i guess it's like buying a sweepstake ticket so remember the Pepsi number fever fiasco? Yeah. Uh, in 1992, Pepsi ran a promo where they printed three numbers inside their battle crowns and winning numbers would be announced on TV every night. Mm. On May 25, they announced that the grand prize winning number was 349. That night, thousands of Filipinos thought that they would get 1 million pesos only for their dreams to be dashed the next day when Pepsi said it was a mistake and that they would give 500 pesos. That's a gesture of goodwill instead. <laughs> false hope, false hope, right? There were angry people who refused to accept the settlement, though, and they conducted protests which resulted in deaths due to grenades being thrown in factories and all that. There were also Pepsi executives who received death threats and company tracks were damaged by being pushed over, stoned, or burned. False hope. What are the chances that you'd actually win? A million pesos is, is a lot slimmer than just losing all your money. Basically buying all those Pepsis, hoping that you would. It's, it's kind of a gamble, right? In the Philippines, people don't even really like Pepsi. So, you know, you gave up Coke. <laughs> just so. you, you probably die of diabetes first before you win. Yes. <laughs> 
do you think gambling is necessary? Is it worth it? I don't think it's necessary per se. Mm-hmm. And that's because we Filipinos are more prone to gambling addiction because culturally we I would say we are born gamblers like we we wanna <laughs> just like the cock right one oh. we want to live today we don't worry about tomorrow and we have the tendency of just betting everything that we have in one chance and when that happens right and we realize that hey this was a one in a 13 million chance and then we lost everything then we we get contained in a in a very bad class like it's very hard to uh, get out of poverty in a false hope so i think i would say we probably should follow macau's footsteps in in a way that you mean monaco right not macau oh, sorry not macau monaco uh-huh <laughs> they're very similar sounding and they're <laughs> completely different um, <laughs> actions towards gambling wherein we we use gambling as our tourist promotion uh, for enticing foreign visitors but not necessarily at the sacrifice of our own citizens I, i say yeah if there is such a way to go there then i think that would be best because that means that nobody in the philippines would need to pay taxes and that's really great right like Mm. <laughs> you get all yeah. of your salary that's amazing <laughs> so yeah I think I'm with you and if you really want, still want to gamble make sure that you know as as we said like have a limit mm. like if it's $50 then stop there mm. even if you win you know don't continue and then you lose everything because otherwise it's not a good story mm. it's a better story to say you won 175 euros in <laughs> Monaco rather than that you lost 100 right <laughs> yes. Yeah. Try to think of the loss than the winnings. Then I think that would entice you to not bet your money. Cutie minute. Time minute. for our followers. Cutie minute. Your thoughts in our voice. Cutie minute. Not really one minute, but we're calling it. Cutie minute. Our first cutie is Jarek. Jonathan Eric Defante. Oh, that's his full name. And this one is in Podchaser. And he gave us a five-star rating. Woohoo! And he says, one of the best produced Filipino podcasts that I listen to. Next man, Jerick. <laughs> <laughs> Very informative and entertaining and makes me happy and proud that I am a Filipino. Three hearts. Wow. Oh, and this is very high praise coming from him because he is actually a podcaster himself. Yes, yes, yes. He he does a very good podcast with his wife and the title is Langa Speaks Podcast. Please check them out. Yeah, and they are part of a legit podcast network. So mm. thank you, yeah. Jerick. Thank you, Jerick. And I, I would say this website, podchaser.com, is, is very handy for people who likes podcasts because they can categorize, you can store your favorites. You know, it's it's one way of cataloging your favorite podcast. So if you haven't heard of Podchaser, I recommend you checking them out. And if you are in there, then might as well give us a five-star rating and a review, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Whilst you're there, I mean, you're already there. Might as well. Yeah, it take come five on. seconds to do that. Yeah. Go to podchaser.com, search Banarki Podcast, and give us a review, please. Thank you, guys. And our next cutie is Ken Marcoser. Uh, that's his username on Instagram. And he posted an Instagram story about our episode 38, Why Are There No Serial Killers in the Philippines? And he said, I was expecting a scary episode. I was wrong. Tawang-tawa ako. <laughs> Bakit nga ba walang serial killers sa Pilipinas sa mga nakarang taon? Because of the chismosa culture in the Philippines. Oo nga naman. Listen to Banana Q Podcast for more funny episodes. 
Thank you, Ken. I guess your name is Ken. I'm assuming. <laughs> What if it's not? Actually, this is not his only Instagram story share about our podcast. And when he shares it, right, he shares the Spotify link so that his followers can directly click on the link. And he always oh, does wow, that. So yeah. Thank you so, so much, Ken, that you do that. And you know, listeners, if you also want to do that for us, also thank you very much in advance. <laughs> Thank you very much indeed. And the next one is oh, the second one from SJP Torres, and this time this is in Instagram, and she says, "Hey, thank you for the shout out. I just listened to episode 40. I was so killing." Then PS fact check. Ooh, a fact check. Miss Independent was by Neo and not by Chris Brown. And I agree 100% that life without Jellybee is not worth living. Thank you very much, SJP Torres, for that fact check. I'm not being racist, but yeah, Neo and Chris Brown sometimes. <laughs> What? <laughs> I, I <laughs> no, no. I think I just at that moment you. That's all you remembered. Mm. But I think Chris Brown is probably more popular than Neo. Maybe that's why that's who you thought You're about. You're gonna anger a lot of Neo fans. Okay, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry, guys. Please do not unfollow us because of this. Um, yeah, I think he was just confused. Okay, yeah, I was very confused. On. Thank you very much. <laughs> We do appreciate you fact checking, and please correct us if indeed you know, you know, a lot more mistakes that we we did. Uh, we'd greatly appreciate that. Yeah, we welcome fact checks, guys. So if mm. if we are wrong about something, please don't be afraid to tell us. Because you know we we are not gonna get mad at you for pointing out yeah. our mistakes, so it's right? It's a conversation, and we we do sometimes make mistakes. And yeah, if you point that out, we'd greatly appreciate that. Yeah. So thank you, SJP thank Torres. You. <laughs> so our last one is from Facebook. So this is Kat Kat Munoz. Uh, this is about our episode six. Why do we love Jollibee so much? So she said, "Love the intro. I enjoyed the interviews. I honestly can't find any room for improvement. Ang smooth ng flow, ang genius ng idea na naginterview kayo ng friends, foreign and kababayan, to collect their opinion and experiences with Jollibee. I'm not a fan of foreigners reacting to anything and everything Filipino in YouTube. Feeling ko pinagkakakitaan lang nila tayo. How we describe this emoji? This annoyed face, I guess. Annoyed, looking to the side." face emoji yeah and she said but I understand that this episode or podcast is totally different from that I really enjoyed it the concept of interviewing your friends just perfectly fits the goal of your episode galing Seymour there's a Seymour <laughs> I did not think on the Seymour I'm so sorry <laughs> I think that's how it ended okay probably if cut cut you mentioned something negative about Us and then it's not visible here because it says Seymour. Then we apologize. <laughs> yes, we, I'm so we, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I could no longer find where this was posted because Jollibee is one of our very very old episodes, and I think it was probably Ray who actually shared this to me. And you know, you're the one who didn't see, <laughs> click on Seymour. This is your fault. <laughs> oh, sorry, it was my fault. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, so thank you, Kat Kat, for your comment. That was very heartwarming. Even though we don't know the entirety of it, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> the first part was very heartwarming. Maybe she is going to actually, uh, what do you call this? Do a fact check after this episode. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's it, guys. Thank you very that's much it. for listening. Thank you. Bye. Bye.